Welcome fellow horror hounds and welcome to the latest episode of Talk and Stalk, your unholy home for horror. I'm your host as always, Barry, and today's podcast is going to be devoted to a little slasher movie released in 86 called Slaughter High. Now, recently I've been focusing on some of the slasher movies from the Golden Age, the likes of The Fun House, The Burning, The House on Sorority Row, which I think is a slasher movie that is very often overlooked. And I'm going to be focusing on, as I said, 1986's Slaughter High for this podcast. Now, <laughs> Slaughter High is a bit of a contrast to, to, to the other slasher films I just talked about. Because I actually believe they're some of the better slasher films from the era. Slaughter High is not one of them. Slaughter High is almost the other end of the spectrum. Um, they're certainly worse than Slaughter High, but there's a hell of a lot better out there. Um, as I said, it was released in 86. Its original title was to be April Fool's Day. That was its working title. Um, but Paramount had actually acquired the name rights. And of course, their film, April Fool's Day, was released the very same year, 86. And this is nowhere near as good as Paramount's. Uh, I really do like 1986's April Fool's Day. I think it's a film that really kind of stands out from the crowd. Um... I do believe it's quite a divisive film. It's one of the most divisive slasher films out there. Some people don't even see it as a true slasher film. I do. Um, now, Slaughter High, right off the bat, um, I'll admit, I only saw this film for the first time probably about seven or eight years ago. And, uh, you know, I knew the film existed. I'd seen the poster. I'd seen the box cover. Um, I just never actually got around to watching it. And I watched it. And right off the bat, um, you can tell that this film is cheesy this film is really cheesy um it's certainly i think one of the cheesiest slasher flicks of the era uh, right from the opening music you know the theme to this film is really cheesy um and the score uh, it must be noted is courtesy of harry manfredini who's probably most well known for the friday the 13th film the kill 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 bah, bah, and he scored the friday the 13th movies and, uh, yeah, for anyone that's a Friday the 13th fan, um, you'll quickly notice that this movie uses much of Harry Manfredini's original Friday the 13th scores. He's basically reusing a lot of the stuff he did for Friday the 13th for this movie. Um, the opening score, the main theme, is really cheesy. And this is actually an English film. This is a British movie, but it actually presents itself to be an American film. It was filmed entirely in London, and uh, but the majority of the cast are actually English. Um, I believe there's at least a couple of American actors in this film, but the majority are British, putting on American accents to, to varying degrees. There's some really bad accents in this film. I mean, overall, you know, the acting... I mean, at the end of the day, we don't watch these films to see, you know, Oscar-worthy performances, do we? But yeah, the performances in this film are pretty are pretty bad, um, and the dialogue and all that. But, um, you know, if you can kind of get beyond the cheesiness of it, and, you know, uh, some people would say that's part of the charm of these of these kind of films and that. Um, there's, for example, a lot of people listening uh, might have heard of uh, a big British soap called Emmerdale. There's actually an actor in that, that that was in it for years. He's actually one of the teens in this film. Well, I say teens, they're clearly a lot older than the characters they're playing, which is very often the case of these uh from these films 
Um, and he puts on a really bad American accent, and it's really weird seeing him speak, try to speak like an American. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was. Um, I do kind of like the setting for the film. It's uh, essentially at its core, it's a revenge tale, like like you know so many slasher films before it. You know, a prank goes horribly wrong. Uh, the character of Marty is very much kind of a you know a loner, um, uh, you know a dweeb, if you will. And uh, they pull a prank on him. It goes wrong. And he's out to get revenge. And coincidentally, his birthday is April Fool's Day. April the 1st. And he gets revenge on them one by one. Uh, they have a reunion ten years later. It's quite funny, really. It's been ten years, but no character looks different in the slightest way. Uh, they all look exactly the same ten years later. And it's quite funny, because there's a janitor um, in the movie that... Uh, was at the school years ago and that, and he actually says to one of the guys, I recognise you, I know you from somewhere. And I'm thinking, of course you recognise him. He looks exactly the same. Nothing about him has changed whatsoever. <laughs> um, but yeah, this janitor actually is the first uh, the first victim in the movie. Um, now, you know, the teens show up and they're being bumped off one by one. You know, that whole kind of, you know, Agatha Christie-esque, you know, and then there were none kind of vibe in that. Um like the setting for this film it's basically i think the interior of the high school was a condemned grammar school that was actually set to be demolished um but the exterior was actually an abandoned mental asylum um as well i like some of the little shots you get here and there of kind of the the kind of abandoned uh hallways you know the corridors and that and i will say this now sam scudamore simon scudamore sorry um that actually played the killer in this movie. Uh, may rest in peace. He he actually died at the age of 28. I believe it was um, an intentional drug overdose. And uh, he died, I believe, towards the end of filming during this movie. And so for the final shots of the film, it's not actually him playing the killer. Um, they got someone else to... Uh, I believe it was one of the crew members that actually took over the role of Marty uh, for the end. Um... I actually really like the mask in this film. I think the mask is quite creepy. Um, the whole kind of jester mask. Um, I do really like the look of the killer in this film. Now, the deaths themselves. This is a film that actually does have a pretty high body count as slasher movies go. I believe there's ten people. I believe there's ten victims in this movie. Um, and, yet again, it's kind of... <laughs> It's so silly. Um, I mean, the thing is, one of the deaths, for example, I mean, it's kind of like, look, you've just you've just found a dead body, all right? Somebody's clearly in there killing people one by one. What do you do? You, you get blood all over you. What do you do? You go and take a bath. You take a leisurely bath. You know, not just a quick wash. You actually sit in the bath, you know, and uh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, these characters are in these films to be killed and stuff, but it's completely nonsensical. And it's kind of an acid bath as well. Acid starts coming out the tap. I'd love to know how Marty made that happen. You know, he'd have to tinkle with the waterworks, etc. and whatever. And, you know, just hope that somebody actually takes a bath. Um, and then, of course, there's actually the second death of the movie as well. Um, a character takes a, a beer can um, and uh, it's acid. You know, um, his, uh, his insides start erupting and uh yeah the thing is i mean you know this is a film with a really small budget so it's kind of like the practical effects aren't exactly kind of you know top notch this isn't you know 
Tom Savini level or anything like that. But I just love to know. I mean, it's a death that kind of stands out. You don't see deaths like that too often in slasher films and stuff. But you kind of think, how the hell did he get it in the can? How how does this even work? Um, with the janitor's death. Um, now, Marty um, looks like he probably weighs about 125 pounds. You know, he's pretty he's pretty thin. Um, yet he seems to have Michael Myers slash Jason Voorhees-esque strength. Um, he actually picks up the janitor, um, you know, completely off the floor and then impales him. It's a very kind of Friday the 13th Halloween-esque death. But I'm like, how? How, you know, is he seriously being working out? Because he certainly doesn't look like it. Um, and one of the highlights for me, one of the deaths in this film is the electric bed. You know, a two for one death, two characters being killed together. Um, I just find that scene so funny. Uh, like with Friday the 13th Part 2, you know, the double impalement. You know, Michael Myers putting the spear through both of them on the bed. This is that kind of like death, but it's just so funny. It's quite shocking, actually. Um, excuse the pun. Um, but uh, yeah, it's certainly a death that kind of uh, stands out and that. Um, and then there's kind of like, there's, there's, I mean, one woman, she does what must be the most laughably bad run I've seen in slasher movies. Uh, she does a little bit of a run and she falls straight into a pit that's basically, it's got kind of like sewage and that coming out of it. And um, she manages to climb to the top and then Marty just pushes her down again with his foot and then walks off. And I'm like, well, she's not dead. So, surely she can just climb out of that again? Uh, so, yeah, presumably she survives now. Of course, the twist, if you want to call it, call it that, which is always, I think, a massive cop-out. Uh, 99% of the time is it was a dream Marty's getting revenge on all of these teens um, I keep calling them teens but they're clearly much older than the characters they're playing um, he gets revenge on them all and uh, it actually turns out to be a dream uh, yeah he's in the hospital and then he escapes and presumably he's going to go out on his killing rampage now um, always kind of a, a cop out but in, in a movie like this it's just kind of like you just you just accept it <laughs> you just accept it this isn't trying to be like you know too clever or anything like that it, it is what it is and you know when he's actually and that that's the thing with this movie as well there isn't actually a final girl as such because he actually manages to kill all of them um he actually kills all of his intended victims which you don't actually see often in films of this subgenre um but then of course they actually come back as ghosts and start haunting him and um, it's it's really cheesy. It's really kind of like bad, but and then they're coming back as ghosts, and they basically like got their 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 their, their faces painted up grey. They actually very much look like the zombies from 1978's Dawn of the Dead. That's what they're very kind of reminiscent of. Um, so yeah, with with Marty, you know, being the killer in this film. I mean, the thing is, obviously, they do they do this prank on him. You know, uh, he he thinks he's gonna get it on with the girl. And uh, with Caroline Munro. And it must be mentioned that Caroline Munro, very established actress, in fact. Um, you know, obviously she was in everything from like Dracula AD 1972 to The Spy Who Loved Me in 77, which is actually my favourite Roger Moore Bond movie. Uh, very established actress. She was actually 35 years old playing a high school teenager. And it's really noticeable that she is considerably older than a lot of the other cast members in this film. 
and obviously uh what's you know become very much a staple of the slasher genre is you know uh the kind of hide and chase sequences if you will and there is a very kind of extended chase sequence towards the end of this film and from what i understand that was kind of filmed almost last minute because they didn't have enough material with which to to fill out the film to pad out the movie and that so to kind of achieve the running time that they were going for they added extended this whole kind of this chase sequence but yeah getting back to like the prank himself and um, obviously you know he thinks he's gonna get it on they're all in there they're ready to uh to film him etc and we actually get something that you don't see too often and that's full frontal nudity we don't get to see that in slash films too often um yeah simon scudamore's penis is actually on screen for a few seconds and then of course as if that's not enough they dump his head down the toilet and uh and what really makes me laugh is when they get caught, okay, one of the teens actually says, she was like, oh my God, Marty, this is all Marty's fault. And I'm thinking, how was this Marty's fault? Um, he didn't ask for these pranks to be pulled on him. He's not the one that wanted his head put down the toilet or whatever. How the hell is it his fault? Um, as I said, you know, the characters in this film, no one really stands out. There's no, there's no, in some of these slasher films, you do get characters here and there that do kind of stand out. There's no one in this film that stands out. You know, the dialogue is, is pretty bad. As I said, mainly a British cast putting on American accents. Some worse than others. Um, you know, but uh, it, it's not a film that takes itself seriously. It's a slasher movie that very much goes through all the conventions and tropes that we've become accustomed to. And as I said, if you're a Friday the 13th fan, you'll recognise all of the Harry Manfredini music um, in this um, so I think for, for anyone that's kind of a slasher movie uh, completionist, I think it's worth a watch. Um, but obviously it's just not one of the best. Um, but there are worse. There are actually worse. Uh, this is kind of a guilty pleasure kind of film. Because, you know, I actually think as slasher movies go, um, it kind of has some merit, I suppose, with some kind of memorable kills as, as cheesy and as, you know, nonsensical um, as they are. And I really do kind of like the mask. As I said, I really do like the mask that the killer actually wears um, in this film. But, um, yeah, it, it's... I mean, you can't even compare it to, to April Fool's Day, the Paramount movie. They're, they're very different. I mean, they're both set on April Fool's Day and that, but they're very different beasts when it comes to... I, I think um, April Fool's Day is actually one of the most underrated slasher films from the Golden Age. Um, I think it's a film that what makes it stand out from the crowd is the twist, is the twist ending that I'm pretty certain that, you know, I don't think you need to be Sherlock Holmes to kind of work out, you know, what direction that film's going in. Uh, you know, the title of the movie pretty much gives it away, I'd say. But at the same time, I think April Fool's Day is just one that stands out from the crowd. Um, but yeah, with Slaughter High, um, I know that the... Uh, the producers had actually... I mean, the thing is, right, it's an Ameri it, it is a British movie pretending to be American. It's kind of like you ask yourself, why? I think it's just simply due to the fact of, you know, 95% of slasher films released within this time were typically North American movies. They were Canadian or American. And some of these films... There were some of these movies that certainly went on to attain fan bases and become commercial successes. And I think Slaught High just wanted to be one of them films. It just wanted to follow the trend um, and be an American slasher film, despite not being one. Um, 
I mean, it, you know, it's very hokey. As I said, the dialogue and stuff. You know, there's nothing in this film that's really kind of like believable to it. Um, I really do feel bad for Simon Scudamore. Um, I know that the director in that thought that maybe uh, the making the movie, etc. had actually proved to be too stressful and it contributed to his depression. Um, but according to his mother, he said he absolutely loved it. Um, and I believe he said it was something like it was like the highlight of his life just just making a film because I believe that was about the only film he ever actually starred in. Um, so, yeah, um, I think Slaughter High, um, I'm not going to say it's an underrated slasher film. I'm not even going to say it's, you know, kind of a hidden gem or an overlooked film or whatever. Um, but if you are into cheesy, um, you know, kind of like nonsensical slasher flicks and all that, you know, ones that are ones that really don't take themselves seriously, then I'd say Slaw High is actually worth a watch. Um, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, they get to the location, for example, as well. They get to the location during the film and the storm starts. You know, one of the biggest, one of the oldest cliches in the history of horror movies, as far as I'm concerned, the storm starts. There's no rain or anything, but obviously using a, a storm machine and all that. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it's just kind of cheesy, cheesy fun. Um, and I believe also, as well, is that um, it's the only film, it's, sorry, as of 2018, I think Japan was, now this may have actually changed since then, but as of 2018, I think Japan was the only country to actually have a home video release of this film under the title of April Fool's Day. Most people know this for being Slaughter High. Um, but as I said, it was original title was to be April Fool's Day. Um, there is actually, because I did watch it again quite recently for the first time in years, and um, there is actually a poster of Pieces, which is actually a Spanish slasher movie, uh, a guilty pleasure of mine. I think Pieces is like a bad film, but I can't help it. It's kind of a fun bad film, if that makes any sense. Um, it's really kind of trashy and that it, it doesn't try to be anything else other than what it is and um, I kind of enjoy it and there's actually a poster of pieces um, actually seen um, in the movie very briefly um, but yeah I think that's pretty much all I really wanted to say uh, regarding Slaughter High um, it doesn't actually have a Blu-ray release. I do actually own it on DVD. It's currently on Arrow um, on their streaming app at the moment. Um, but yeah, as I said, um, just kind of a dumb, fun slasher flick uh, that really wastes no time in showing you how cheesy it is. You know, from the opening theme by Harry Manfredini, it's a really kind of cheesy score. And uh, yeah... But um, not, not as I said, not, not one of the worst slasher films I've ever seen. I've certainly seen a lot worse than this. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, that's pretty much all I really wanted to talk about today. Um, so yeah, if you've liked what you've heard, uh, please feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Talk and Stalk. Um, every subscription is massively appreciated. Um, I do actually have a fellow friend and a YouTuber who uh, his channel, his website, sorry, is entertainmenttalk.org uh, if you're interested in checking out some TV film reviews. And uh, Dean Mallison, a friend of mine who uh, also does short films and stop motion films as well. 
uh, Dean Mallison Films, that's M-A-L-L-I-S-O-N, uh, Dean Mallison Films and Dean Mallison uh, Stop Motion. So they're worth checking out. So thanks again for everyone that listened and I'll be back again soon to haunt you and torment you. Take care. <laughs>